We spend our whole lives running, searching for something to make life all we hoped it could be. Soon we're running scared from hurt we feel and hurts we've caused. But mostly, we run from God. We just know if he ever catches us, it's over. But nobody can run forever. And when the day comes to face the one who's chased us all these years, we discover something amazing but true. He isn't out to get us. He's out to love us and make us all we're created to be. Pursued, God's divine obsession with you. Well, good morning, Coastal. How you guys doing this morning? A couple of you guys are doing well. Hey, well, we're so glad that you're with us. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're beginning a brand new series today called Pursued, and it's, it's on the book of Hosea. And so if you have a Bible, if you want to turn in your Bible to the book of Hosea, um, if you don't know where that is, and listen, listen, let, uh, let me just tell you something. Whenever somebody tells me to turn somewhere in the Bible, I always get a little bit nervous because I don't necessarily know where everything is as well. And so listen, there is no shame in your game. If you got to go to the front section, which is the table of contents, figure out where it is, go there, turn there, because I, I, I think it's important that we look in God's Word and we study God's Word and we discover out of God's Word uh, about this this guy in the Old Testament named Hosea and and I, I want to do this series particularly because I've gotten so many phone calls and and so many uh, text messages and so many emails from people asking me like Pastor TJ can you please 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 explain the book of Hosea I've been reading it I've been studying it and I just don't understand it uh, actually I don't think anybody's ever asked me about the book of Hosea that was kind of a joke um, in, in my entire life as a pastor but I, it, it is this this unbelievable book that I thought would be a great opportunity for us in the summer to study a little bit, to learn about, um, and, and see what God is trying to say through it. And, I, and I'm excited about this book because this book is really a, a, a beautiful love story. And, and I'm one of those guys that I'm a sucker for a good love story. Anybody else out there like kind of a sucker for a good love story? It's okay. Like I know ladies are. I mean like top five movies. I mean the proposal's got to be in there. I love that movie. It's just great. Like the notebook. I mean come on dudes. If you don't cry in the notebook there is something wrong with you. Like I, a good Titanic. I mean you all know when Titanic came out you saw it three or four times. You'll never admit that today. But you know that you went there on Christmas Day when it came out, and then you went the next day with your friends because you like you, you wanted oh you know you wanted to do that scene. But I'm just kind of a sucker for a good love story, and I think all of us are are attracted to a good love story. I think it's just just within us, built within us, that we all are drawn to that. And uh, and this this story in the Bible is one of the most beautiful. Uh, but yet tragic and weird and depressing, but yet beautiful love stories in all of the Bible. And if you don't know anything about Hosea and the book of Hosea, let me kind of give you a little background. Um, Hosea is written about 750 BC before Christ. And Hosea is a prophet. And if you don't know who, what a prophet is, a prophet is basically somebody who would speak for God. And so God would have a message for people in those days. And he would give it to a prophet. And a prophet would go out and he would share with all of the people what God was saying. And so Hosea 
is a prophet and um and, and, and so he's being used to tell this beautiful love story. And this love story is, is, is pretty unique because I think probably outside of the cross of Jesus, this is probably God's greatest depiction of his love for us all throughout the Bible. And it communicates his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness to us constantly. And so... The prophet Hosea is in a, a struggling marriage, um, and 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 it's 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 a little bit different because his his struggling marriage is is just this powerful reminder, um, not just to him but to us, of our tendency to be unfaithful to God, even though God is always completely faithful to us, even when we're faithless. And it's this, this story that just is a little sketchy and it doesn't necessarily have every blank filled in. And so we've got to put a little bit of our imagination to what exactly is going on. But I think as we dive into this and look at it, I think that we're going to get a really, really beautiful picture of God's heart to us. And so today what I want to do is I'm going to kind of do something a little bit different. Today is kind of going to be a big overview kind of day, and then over the next couple of weeks, we're going to kind of dive a little bit more in and to be way more practical. But today is going to be kind of like the overview, give you the big picture, and then we'll kind of dive in and get some smaller tidbits along the way. And so today I want to start off by just kind of giving you the four basic uh, premises of this book, and then a little bit more. And so there's four acts that really define this book. And if you're taking notes, the, the first act is, is Hosea receives an unusual instruction from God. Like Hosea, uh, the first thing we see from this book of Hosea is, is that God instructs Hosea on something that's kind of crazy. In Hosea chapter 1 verse 2, it says, when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute. And some of y'all are like, say what? Like, God, what, what? Wait, wait, let me go back and read that. Like, God, did you just say, go marry a prostitute? I mean, that's like a strange beginning to a story. I mean, that's just really, really weird. And God asks Hosea to go and marry a prostitute. And this is a request that God has never asked of anyone uh, up until this point. And, and nowhere else in the Bible does God ever make this request again of somebody to go marry a prostitute. And you gotta understand that this isn't like a former prostitute. This is like a, a, a full-fledged, card-carrying prostitute that Hosea is gonna go marry. Like she whips it out like it says, my occupation is prostitution, okay? And so like, so that's, she's the real deal. Act two, over time, Hosea falls in love with Gomer. Over time, Hosea falls in love with Gomer. And so act one is, is Hosea goes and marries a prostitute. And act two is, is Hosea goes and marries this woman. And this woman has a name and her name is Gomer. Um, and so like, man, poor girl, you know, right away. Like she was not set up well. She had like two strikes against her from day one. Like number one, I'm a prostitute. Number two, my name is Gomer. Like she is not getting a rose on The Bachelor. You know what I'm saying? Like she's not making it out of the first round. Like <laughs> Gomer means no rose for you. I don't, you know, that's like, you know, that, I mean, just not good. But but as you start looking at this story, it's this beautiful story. It's almost like pretty woman, you know, Julia Roberts, Richard Gere. And so he falls in love with her in, in act two. And then in act three, it says, Gomer has an affair and, and Hosea 
is absolutely crushed. Now, now, when you first hear this, because we're going through the story so fast, you're like, well, duh, Hosea. I mean, did you not see that one coming? I mean, she's a prostitute. You think she's going to be faithful to you? Come on. Like, seriously, bro. But we see that, that Hosea is in love with her. And, and when this happens, he is just like absolutely devastated by this thing. I mean, he's just devastated. In fact, Hosea 3.1, it says, Then the Lord said to me, Go and love your wife again even though she commits adultery with another lover. This will il illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods in love to worship them. Now, I should have left that last part out because that kind of gives you a sneak peek into the next part, but, but Act 4 is, is Hosea pursues Gomer and buys her back. It says in verse 2, So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley, and a measure of wine, and a measure of wine, and, and like reading that there, I just, I, like, the first time I noticed that, like, did, like, he have that stuff on him? Is that just stuff he carried around, or is like, I don't know, that's like kind of a weird, uh, just backpack full of stuff, maybe he was on a scavenger hunt, I don't know. Anyways, interest, interesting, because this, this is his wife, but it says he has to go buy her back, which you got to understand that in the, those times, in that time period, when, when Gomer went and she started having a relationship with another man, all of a sudden, because women were not viewed as individuals, they were viewed as property, she was no longer Hosea's property. She was now this man's property. And so in order for her to come back into relationship with Hosea, Hosea actually had to go pay a price for her uh, again in order to get back in this relationship together. And, and it's this beautiful story and that, that's kind of the overview in that, that, that this story is, is difficult but yet beautiful. And, and its purpose isn't to show us this troubled marriage between Hosea and Gomer. It's really to show us our, our troubled relationship between God and his people, between God and his church, which have a tendency so many times to run off to other lovers in life. And what's interesting is that almost all the time in Scripture that, that God is talking about his relationship with people, almost all of the time, the imagery that God uses to explain that is, is a marital relationship. He views it, you know, all throughout the Old Testament, you see this relationship of God and us as like his, his, this love and a lover. And then even in the New Testament, we're, we're called the bride of Christ. And the imagery is constantly of, of this love relationship between God and people. And it's all about this marriage and it's referencing God's passion and his love for every single one of us, and, and for us to really grab hold of this story and probably a majority of the stories in the Bible, we gotta understand that when we begin a relationship with God, it isn't just a friendship, it's, it's more like a marital covenant. Where we're taking and we're bonding ourselves, we're no longer individuals, we're now one person. But far too often we look to other things to give us what only God can give us. And, and for, for a lot of us, those other things have, have come between us and God. And for some of us, that might be, that might be our occupation. For others of us, that might be uh, power. For others of us, it might be success in life. And, and, and it's not like 
all of us just grab one of those things and we just completely abandon God while there are some of us that have done that and just run after one of those things. For the vast majority of us, we still want our relationship with God, but at the same time, we're occupying two or three beds with other things. And we have a troubled marriage, but not on God's part, but not on his part, on, on our end. And, and so to really understand God's heart for, for you and I, in the book of Hosea, I've kind of just it, broken this down to three statements that I think we need to fully grasp and fully grab hold of if we're gonna, if we're gonna truly understand what this book is all about, and the first one is this, is that God pursues us for relationship. Maybe the most important aspect of this entire book is the fact that God is passionately pursuing you and I for a relationship. Two weeks ago here and last week in Pompano, uh, you know, I, I talked about the fact that God isn't about a whole bunch of rules and regulations. He's not about religious activity. What God is after more than anything else is our heart. He is after a relationship with us. He wants to know us. He wants to do life with us. He wants to walk with us. He wants to talk with us. In fact, Micah 6, 8 says this, No, O people, the Lord has told you what is good? And this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And I love that last part, to walk humbly with your God. More than anything, God just wants to be with us. He just wants to walk with us. He wants it to be a daily journey where we are doing life together because he wants to know us. But so many times, relationships are just, just complicated, aren't they? I mean, I, I think about, you know, to, today and back in the day when, when, when I was beginning my relationship with Shayla, it was way easier to like kind of define the steps of a relationship back in the day. Today, I think it's way, way more confusing. Like I remember when Shayla and I were, we, we were just friends, you know, we were talking to one another, like we were getting to know one another on a friendship level. Anybody else remember that kind of state of life where you're just friends and you're, you're, you're talking and you're hanging out and then like you kind of move to the next level, which is like you're, you're friends, but you go and you hang out with other friends. And the reason you hang out with other friends isn't because you really want to spend time with them. It's because you want to spend time with that person. You know what I'm saying? And so you'll be hanging out with your friends and they'll be like, hey, man, man bro, what's going on with you, you and Shayla? And you'll be like, oh, man, 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 we're just talking. We're just talking. Anybody remember that day? Just talking? Okay, a couple of you, some of you guys have never been in a relationship, but let me just tell you something. There's a just talking stage. And then it kind of moves to it's a little bit more official and all of a sudden you, you aren't just talking anymore. Now all of a sudden you're dating, you're like in an exclusive relationship, which means that like you can't go date anybody else in public. Just kidding, like you're just not dating anybody else, um, public or private. Like you're in a, an exclusive relationship. Like you're like, hey, we're, we're not seeing other people anymore. We are together. And, and that can go on for however long for Shayla and I was like three or four months. And then, then it's engaged where like now there's some commitment to it for guys. You just spent thousands of dollars on a piece of jewelry because the world tells you to do that. And now you're broke, but like you've got this girl. So like that's, that was a good trade. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and like, but that, that relationship's on its way to another level and eventually you get to marriage. And, uh, and then it just becomes even more interesting from there and uh but like those stages like like 
Like it was very easy to know how relationships worked in those times. Like there was, like you knew the pattern. Today, like we are so confused about relationships that like we need Facebook to help us out a little bit with relationships. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we're so confused on like what status we are and where we are. Like, are, are we single? Are we in a relationship? Like, what does that mean? Are we engaged? Are we married? It's complicated in an open relationship. I don't know if that's supposed to be like step two there, but like they just put it down there. Maybe widowed, separated, divorced, civil union, domestic partnership. Like I read through those and like, I, I, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of different options. But the one that really, really grabs me, and maybe y'all are like this as well. When I see somebody that has, um, it's complicated on their status, like, don't you just want to pick up the phone and be like, bro, tell me what's going on. Like, what's up? Like, that's the interesting one, isn't it? Like, uh, uh, give me the 411. But the funny thing about the, the it's complicated, listen, you can be single and it's complicated. Can I get an amen, single people? Like, y'all aren't going to say nothing. Okay, I see how it is. Like, you can be in a relationship and it's complicated. You can be engaged and it's complicated. If you're married, it is complicated. I mean, that just. Like relationships, it's, it's complicated. It's complicated. And I would think that if we started talking about our relationship with God, and we're to really be honest with ourselves, for the vast majority of us, if we were to assess our relationship with God, we would probably say, you know what? It's complicated. It's, it's complicated. For some of you, you've been a Christ follower for a very, very long time, man. And you remember a time where, like, you were so on fire for God. I mean, like, you were that person that was like, God, no matter what you say, no matter what you ask me to do, like, I will be obedient to the max. God, like, I'm here. Here am I. Send, send me, God. I'll do whatever. But somewhere along the way, that fire kind of dwindled out. And now it's kind of like you're just kind of wavering there and if you were to look at your relationship with God you would just go you know what honestly it's complicated maybe for some of you out there you you were hurt by someone or or maybe you were hurt by the church which the church has been horrible at this we've been very judgmental and and just hurting people and and throwing people out and just just giving up on them and and maybe you've been hurt by the church and, 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 and you feel like, like you're scared to come back to God, but at the same point, you feel like this tugging at your heart right now to go after God, but you just look at it and you just go, you know what, it's, it's complicated. Like the relationship there is just complicated. For some of you guys, you're, you're living this double life and never ever in your mind did you ever think that you would be living a double life. There's no way that you thought that you would come to church here and you would worship God and you would sing songs and you'd sit there and you would take notes and, and be like so in love with God here and then walk out and be in a 180 degrees different the rest of the week. In fact, you're, you, you, you hope that nobody discovers how different the paradigms of your life are. And when you think about your life, like you're just, you're baffled by it because, because you don't even understand why you're living that way. 
And you would look at your relationship and go, man, it's just, it's just complicated. Just a little bit out there. For some of those of us, your connection with God right now is like somebody that's in a troubled marriage. That maybe you're living together as a married couple, but really you're both just single. You, you don't communicate anymore. You don't spend time together. You don't talk. And really the reason you're staying together is because of the contract you made. And you look at your life and you go, man, there could be so much more to this than what there is. It's just complicated. What we start to see in this story is that God created us for relationship. His relationship is with us isn't just this vain pursuit. But the reality is, is that God pursues you and I for a relationship even though it's completely a mess. Even though he knows right away that it's a mess. And, and let me just tell you something. God is not blinded by the fact that your relationship status right now is, is complicated. Like, he is not blown away by that. In fact, I think that he really, really understands that it is complicated. And, and this story is complicated. Like, I, I, I'm asking myself all week, like, God, why in the world would you have your messenger marry a prostitute? Like, that makes absolutely no sense to me. No, none whatsoever. And I felt like God was really talking to me and, and, and was saying, you know what? The reason I had my messenger marry a prostitute is because I didn't just want somebody who could go and deliver a message. I wanted somebody who could feel and experience the same things that I feel and experience so that when they delivered that message, they delivered it with the same passion and the same conviction that I had that, that Hosea isn't just some distraught lover, man. He feels the very thing that God feels towards us. Because he realizes that, man, God is after us for a relationship. And yet, even though he's after us for a relationship, he understands that it's complicated and it's messy. And even through all of that, God pursues us for a relationship, even though it's messy, with a jealous love. With a jealous love. And I'll tell you something that, that floored me this week as I, was, as I was studying for this and I was preparing for this is that this book, you really get an unprecedented look at the heart of God. And, and, and all throughout that, God is so shockingly transparent about who he is and the fact that he is a jealous, brokenhearted God. Now, I know that 
As soon as, as I start talking about the jealousy of God and, and God is this jealous God that, that we don't really like that kind of talk because we get a little nervous. We don't really understand that. We don't really comprehend that because we don't like the idea of, of jealousy and we definitely don't like the idea of God being jealous. But all throughout the Bible, it talks about God in this way. In fact, if you look in the Old Testament in Exodus 34, 14, it says, you must worship no other gods for the Lord whose very name is jealous is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Deuteronomy 4.24 says, the Lord your God is a devouring fire. He is a jealous God. And what I wanna do is I wanna spend just a few minutes unpacking what does that mean? Because understanding what that means, understanding the attributes and the names of God is very important because what, how we view our relationships is so, so critical. And our relationships are formed on our perceptions. All of our relationships are formed on our perceptions, whether that perception is true or that perception is false, our relationships are gonna be formed on that. And so how we view God and how we look at God and how we understand God is gonna determine the view of God that we have. That's why A.W. Tozer is one of the great preachers of the 19th century. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds, what we perceive about God is the most important thing about our relationship with God. And so it's important for us to understand the truth of who God is. And so kind of let me back up here for a moment so that you can understand what this means, that the fact that God is a jealous God, because in this time, what would happen is when Hosea comes along, it was very normal for people to have multiple gods that they worship. They might have three gods, they might have five gods, they might have 50 gods, they might have 100 gods. It was very common to worship many, many gods. And so what would happen is, is, is you would be worshiping God, and I'm just gonna make this up because I don't know what, what they are, but say there was a God that you're worshiping, and what he required of you is that every week you would bring him 12 ears of corn. And so every week you would come and you would bring and give him 12 ears of corn, and that God was a peace. That God did not care at all what you did for other gods. So if you were giving him 12 ears of corn, he was a peace, you could go over here and worship the sun for this God. This God did not care as long as, this, as he was being taken care of you could do whatever you wanted to with the other gods and then all of a sudden here comes this god of israel who says like listen 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 i'd like it's not okay for you to serve other gods it's not okay for you to to give uh, to other gods like i don't want you doing that like there's only going to be one god and that's going to be me and all of a sudden he starts talking about the fact that the relationship that he wants to have with his people isn't about them just doing their duties, but he wants so much more than that. In fact, he says, man, I want to relate to you in the same way that you would relate to your spouse in a marriage. He said, I, I want to relate that way to you because all of us know this, that jealousy in a relationship is an indicator, indicator that we want to pursue somebody. Like, let me explain, like I remember when Shayla and I were in the, the just friend stage and, and I was living in Texas and she was living in Florida and we'd grown up together, we'd known each other for at that point um, about eight or nine years and so we had a lot of history, family history together, we'd vacation together, all kinds of things and so we had a, we had a decent relationship but while I was living in Texas we started talking a lot more, we started finding out man that we, we had a lot of things in common, we had a lot of, uh, of the same values and a lot of the same desires in life and, and I remember coming back home and, 
and, and being on a break and, and hanging out and just having a great time with Shayla and then going back and we were talking on the phone a couple weeks later and, and I was like, man, what's, go, what's been going on? What's been happening? And she's like, oh man, I've been just had an incredible week. And I was like, well, tell me about it. She's like, well, I got to hang out with my friend Chris. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa who's Chris? Like, tell me about Chris. And, and, you know, she goes on or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. That was earlier in the week. So what would you do last night? Well, I went to the movies with my friend John. I'm like, what? Who in the heck is John? Like, like I'm about to beat John up. Like, he just went to the movies with Shayla. I'm like, what's up with that? And it was the first time I really, really remember feeling jealousy in that relationship. Like, I was jealous that she was doing that. And the reason that I was jealous was because... I wanted to pursue a relationship with Shayla. And part of what it means when we talk about the jealousy of God is it simply means that God is wanting to pursue a relationship with us. Now, in our culture, when we talk about jealousy, we, we think of things like anger and uh, controlling and smothering and, you know, manipulating. I mean, those are the things that kind of come into our mind, but a biblical portrait of, of jealousy is a lot different in, in the fact that it's describing a God who in all of his passion for us and all of his love for us wants nothing but the very, very best for our lives. And he says, listen, listen, I'm not satisfied with you just serving me. I'm not just satisfied with you giving to me. I'm, I, I want so much more than that. I, I want your heart. I want you to love me. It's what I want. And this was so different for all of them. And I think it's way different for us because it's hard for us to comprehend that because for us, when we think about jealousy, especially when it comes to human jealousy, human jealousy is a concerned love that turns to anger. You think about it, like, man, when we get jealous, what do we, like, exactly like me, I have the tendency to get mad and angry right away. Like, like, what's up? Like, I'm going to beat somebody up because they're talking to somebody I'm interested in. You know it's true, guys. Every guy out there was like, I would have done the same thing. And if you're not, then you're lying, okay? Like, we all feel it. In fact, I read this study this, this week. Um, it was done based on 5,000 people over six continents. Um, they did a study of, of people who had had, their spouses had had affairs. And it said that, 84% of women and 91% of men whose spouse had had an affair had a murderous thought towards the person they had an affair with. At least one. Like, it just shows that the human heart naturally out of jealousy is response is anger. In fact, they say the number one, um, the number one reason for spousal murder Jealousy. Human jealousy is a concerned love that always turns to anger. God's jealousy is a concerned love that stays love. And this is so important. It doesn't turn to anger. It just stays love. And it's where the humans could get so jealous they could take another person's life. God is so jealous that he gave his own life. Huge difference right there. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God was willing to give it up for you and I. 
And it's part of what I struggled with this week in studying this book is that, like, I love to take really, really complex things and really make them simple and easy for people to understand and, and find that one kind of connection point that kind of ties everything together. The problem was is, is that the more I prayed to God, like, help me make sense of this story, the less it made sense. Like, like I, I just, like, God, this story makes absolutely no sense to me. Like, and, and, and I felt like God was saying to me, like, you know what, TJ? This story is never going to make sense to you because the kind of love that I have for you is not a love that you can add up and put together. It's not a love that makes sense. It's a love that just overwhelms. And it's the very love that every single one of us is desiring and longing for in our lives. This same kind of love that Hosea has for a prostitute that, that is unwavering and just constantly seeking after is the same love that God has for us. We have this God that no matter how faithless we have been, is always faithful in his love to us. I love Psalm 63.3. It says, your unfailing love is better than life itself. See, this love that, that we're talking about is better than life itself. And what I want us to understand just today is how much God loves us and how much God is just pursuing us continuously in our lives. And I think about us and, and I think about our lives and I, I talk to so many of you and between this campus and the other campus. And what's amazing to me is in those conversations, so many of you guys feel like God hates you. I mean, you really feel that way. You feel like because of what I've done and what I've said or what I've been through or what I've experienced, like God hates me. Then there's others of you that that you believe that, that God loves you, but only because he has to. That like, God loves me, yes, I understand that. But deep down in your hearts, you really think that God is extremely disappointed in your life. And there's others of you You're just afraid, you're afraid that you don't measure up to the potential that God has put within you. And because you don't do that, you live in fear that you're never gonna meet his expectations, that you're never gonna meet his standards. And part of what I want to do is I want to help you see that God's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. He doesn't hate you. He loves you with an endless love that is never changing, never swaying, never different. It's always, always the same. And it's natural to, to have fears. I mean, some of us lay at night, up at night saying, man, I, I, I fear tomorrow. I fear what tomorrow is going to bring. Some of us lay in bed at night fearing if we're going to have enough money for this month. And some of us lay in bed at night fearing our future. Some of us lay in bed at night fearing our past. And I think all of those fears are derived and really at the heart of everything. We have this fear that one day we're going to wake up and that we're not going to be loved, that we're not going to be enough in life. 
And I'm here to tell you that God is saying to you today, just through the story of Hosea, no matter where you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, like I love you with an unending love that is never changing. It always stays the same. You can't be any better. You can't be any worse. I love you just where you are. And some of you need to hear that today. And you need to accept that today. Father God, we just come before you right now. And I just pray right now that it's, we're just taking a moment. That as we're looking at our lives, I believe that a lot of us, it's really easy to get caught up with other lovers. Those lovers might be our future. Those lovers might be our finances. Those lovers might be our career. Those lovers might be other relationships. It could be a lot of different things. But God, your story has always been about coming and restoring a relationship. No matter how far we run away, you're still running after us. And maybe you're here today, and today is a day that you need to turn back to God. You need to recognize that God is pursuing you, and you need to accept his love. Maybe for others of you, you've never experienced that. You didn't realize it, that God sent his son 2,000 years ago to die on a cross so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. And today is the day that you need to accept that grace and that mercy and that forgiveness. And you don't have to run to all of those things that have never fulfilled your life. That today you can experience the thing that fills every ounce of your life. And so if that's you, I would just ask you to pray in your heart as I pray out loud. God, I just come before you. And I recognize that you are a jealous God. Not because you're angry at me. Not because you're upset at me. But because you're wanting to pursue a relationship with me. You love me so much that you pursue me. Even though I've ignored or abandoned you. Today, I ask you to forgive me to running to all those other things. Thank you for sending your son to die on a cross so that I can have life and I can have it more abundantly. God, overwhelm me with your love and your joy and your peace today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.